Hello, world! Today, on another fantastically unusual episode of Her Story, instead of deep diving into the historical profiles of women who've changed the world, I was lucky enough to sit down and have a conversation with the amazing Nancy Uslin, a former IU grad in nursing, whose work in charity, bringing optometry and literacy to kids around the world, is frankly incredible. So I was lucky enough to sit down and have a phone call interview with her to talk about her work, talk about being a parent and being a woman, and the importance of self-care in this really turbulent world. So I could give you a whole long introduction into just how fantastic she is, but I think I'm going to turn it over to Miss Nancy Uslin. Hi, Nancy. This is Mary Jane. How are you doing? How are you? I'm good. No. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Happy to be back in my home in New Jersey and love being in Bloomington. It, it, I consider it a, almost like a second home to me because we've been, I've been associated with IU since 1969 and it's just, you know, it's always wonderful to be back there, but it's also good to come home too. Well, you must be looking forward to having your husband home soon, except I know he's heading to Abu Dhabi soon? Something like that. He's going to come here first on Friday and spend about um, a little less than a week with me here. And then he'll go to the Middle East and I will go to uh, Los Angeles. So we bounce back and forth, that's for sure. Well, God forbid we're ever bored. (laughs) I am never bored. Never. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nancy, I run a kind of historical feminist podcast here at IU and so often we're talking about the stories of incredible historical women and how their reputations have changed over the years and I was just so fascinated by your story and everything you've accomplished. I'll start with this. Your husband when he was as my professor when he was the first thing he ever did in our class was he sat down before talking about producing or Batman or any of his successes, he talked about you for about 25 minutes. Oh, good lord. There's not that much interesting stuff about me. (laughs) No, but he talked about your trips to Rwanda. He talked about your work as a nurse and just how incredible, incredibly proud he is. And that's, of course, when I knew he was going to be a great teacher because... (laughs) Well, you know, uh, I, it's, it goes both ways. I mean, Michael and I have watched each other evolve. Mm. And uh, uh, it certainly has been an interesting ride. <laughs> um, and the fact that we still support each other in our choices yeah. is really quite remarkable. Yeah. It was, I mean, talking to you now even is just amazing. I would just, I'd love to, for once, have a conversation with a woman who's changing the world now through just being a wife and a mother and her own independent person and through the incredible charities you've been able to start and work with. 
Um, it, you know, I never had any intention of doing this. I just mm -hmm. sort of fell into it. And I think that probably by me not having any um, uh, thoughts about my future or what I was going to do after my kids left, mm -hmm. just the, by the mere fact that I, I, I love learning, I love um, adventure, um, I love helping and nurturing, that I just sort of fell into these different things and they, uh, they stuck. So it's, uh, it, you know, it, it was one thing and then another thing and then, and then adding on a few more things and then, you know, here I am just uh, um, loaded, almost drowning under really good uh, initiatives that, that are creating impact. There, I mean, you're, I've got to say your LinkedIn is just, I can tell it's overwhelming, but um, how do you keep up this energy? It must be very draining at times. Right now, I just sat down for two seconds and I figured you were going to be calling and I thought, I can, I can sleep anywhere. <laughs> My kids will tell you that. When, I, when they were young and I would take them to school, I would say to them if we were stopped at a stoplight, wake me up when the light turns green so <laughs> so i don't i don't need much of a power nap to to uh re-energize i only need a few minutes so that's kind of my dad used to do that my dad was a doctor and whenever we you would walk by his his specific office he had a big office uh of uh, ophthalmologists mm -hmm. that uh, he founded but whenever you would walk past his office, if there was a sign out that said in treatment, that meant he was taking a nap. So, <laughs> <laughs> it did not specify who was getting the treatment. So. <laughs> Self-care is the foundation of it all. That's right. That's right. And I absolutely believe in that now because you do need a lot of energy to to really continue to do what I'm doing, for Michael to continue to do what he's doing. He's not a napper. He's an ever ready bunny. He just can keep going and going and going. But I, I do need that little, you know, uh, power nap, however long it may be, whether it's 30 seconds or half an hour. <laughs> um, so that is really the way that I get through it because it's, it's, it is much more difficult as you get older also because mm -hmm. your energy, you know, reserves are not quite what they once were. So, uh, and it's the, it's the work. The work keeps me energized as well. Mm -hmm. I am uh, enamored with um, the, uh, the work that I do. Um, not so much, you know, for accolades or anything else. It's just that I feel very strongly about the work that I do. Yeah. When it came to Books and Beyond USA and Rwanda, how did that all get started for you? Well, in 2005, I was asked to go to Rwanda with the animal activist and conservationist Jack Hanna. Mm -hmm. And my brother is friends with Jack and my brother's not married or wasn't married at the time, so isn't, but 
Um, Jack had asked him if he wanted to go to Rwanda on a documentary film shoot of the endangered mountain gorillas. Mm. And um, my brother did not want to go alone. So he asked me if I wanted to come. And my kids were out of the house by then, and Michael was always traveling. And as I said before, I love adventure. And when people would say Rwanda, it it was only 11 years past its genocide. How could I, you know, feel safe or comfortable about going? I just knew that this was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up, so I went. Mm. And as an animal lover, I got to spend three weeks in the jungle uh, with, or uh, with jungles, I should say, with um, gorillas. And it, that was awe-inspiring. But it was the people that really moved me when I got home and started thinking about, you know, the, uh, the trip. Because they had, uh, they were in recovery mode after their genocide. And I knew that I needed to do something. So as a retired nurse, at first I thought I would uh, do something that was uh, medically driven. But then I realized, no, I really wanted to start with square one, and that's literacy. Mm. So I uh, um, had been introduced to a, um, a teacher in Newark, New Jersey, a fifth grade teacher who was struggling with her 95% African-American student body because they really didn't want to even think about doing well to go to college. And I thought, well, how about if I contact Indiana University and see if they may consider doing a project with these fifth grade students in Newark and maybe the college students can mentor and inspire the fifth grade students into working harder and to begin thinking about going to college. Mm. So, uh, Books and Beyond became an initiative, and the IU students would come out and sleep on the gymnasium floor at their school in Newark, <laughs> and the Newark kids would went out to IU and stayed with the kids in the dorms. So they got to see what this word college was all about, and uh, it gave them uh, a, a nice percentage of them. I don't remember what it is. A, uh, something to shoot for after that. Um, they learned that what they have is a lot compared to so many other people in the world. So they were uh, uh, grateful um, for the things that they had in life as opposed to being ungrateful because they didn't have everything that they wanted. So it was a multi-purposed initiative, literacy being the primary purpose, but the benefits that came out of it were really quite remarkable. And uh, the product that the kids made in the way of books were really super. We distributed those books to Rwandan students for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the students in Rwanda who were told that they needed to learn how to speak English because it had become their um, uh, language, um, their official language Mm -hmm. mandated by the president of Rwanda, um, knowing that English is the 
the language of the global economy. So, which all sounded well and good, but they had no support material in English. Mm. So our books that we created here through our students, their writing and their illustration, their illustrating became the books that we distributed into the classrooms in Rwanda. So we helped not only teach them English, but we helped their communities that they lived in because those books went home with them. So they were able to teach their siblings. They were able to teach their parents and they were able to teach their community. Just the simple act of reading has connected kids across an ocean. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. So I called it a tripod project because it helped the kids in Newark. It helped the IU students and it helped the kids in Rwanda. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And from there... There really is, Mary Jane, there really (laughs) is a lot that's been written about Books and Beyond. If you want to search through some of the archives at IU. Yeah. Uh, Well, since we're talking about your work in Rwanda, have you gotten a chance to talk much about the clean water initiatives you've been able to implement? I've sort of kept it... um, close to you know me yeah. and really have shared um little about it to uh the rest of the globe mm-hmm. but uh that too is really uh remarkable because you not only um you know the things that i'm involved with are literacy um clean water and vision mm-hmm. and you can learn uh, how to read and you can live without not knowing how to read. Mm. You can live without not seeing great, but you cannot live without water. Yeah. So when I realized that many of the students that we were distributing books to in Rwanda were absent from school, I started asking questions and then turned out that a lot of them were absent due to waterborne disease because they were drinking unsafe uh, and unclean water. So I thought, well, okay, if we want these kids to be in school, then we have to bring clean water to them. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I got um, uh, introduced to a water sanitation, hygiene, and agriculture organization in Rwanda felt very, very comfortable with them, have Mm -hmm. been working with them for over 10 years, and they are my water partner in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. Um, We, what we do is, or what I do is I fundraise um, through grassroots efforts, but primarily from a major donor in California, Mm -hmm. and I turn the monies over to my water partner after discussion discussing what the next water project location will be mm-hmm. and then i turn everything over to them because it's their country they know the landscape they know how to get permits mm-hmm. they know how to uh, do the engineering and construction of these projects yeah and after the last trip that uh, we were just on we came back like two months ago i guess it was um i just completed my seventh water project wow so if you figure that 4,000 people live in a village yeah 
um, and then you multiply that uh, times seven, and then you uh, um, add a certain amount, um, and I don't know what that is. It's probably a thousand every year and a half mm. because people move to where clean water is that those communities grow because of the clean water and kids are no longer in jeopardy of uh, um, attack or of um, in of uh, water wars or sitting for standing in clean water locations to get their water and having to walk sometimes two and a half hours to get to clean water. Mm -hmm. um, they're able to concentrate on school um, because they don't have to give up three hours a day or more to fetch water. Yeah. They're able to study during daylight hours instead of under candlelight at night. Um, mothers are allowed to spend more time with their families um, because they it's the women that fetch the water. Mm. So girls and women. So the benefits, again, of bringing clean water to a community are just enormous. It's like throwing a pebble into a pond, and the ripple effect is just keeps going and going and going. Mm. When it comes to, because clearly to be able to do this, it's helpful to be on the ground and making connections. What are the connections like that you've made with these people, especially the women in these communities? Because I have to imagine there's so much more in common than people would think between oh, us. Oh, yeah. Well, people are people. Mm -hmm. And if you give them a chance, you generally find out that they all pretty much feel the same way. They love their kids. They, they want to feed their kids and clothe their kids. They want their families to be whole um and um they women in particular will do whatever it takes mm. to keep a family together and this the i've become very very close to a lot of people in rwanda most of which lost their families during the genocide mm. so they too had to follow a journey that they weren't expecting uh, just to survive. So survival stories are incredible. There's much that's been written about that. Um, but I, I, uh, I feel as though these people whom I've known for almost 20 years now mm. truly are my family because when they see me, the hugs, the warm smiles, the, you know, it, seeing their kids that I've known since they were babies now grown and having their own babies. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really, it's, it's just so heartwarming and, and, uh, it has become part of my fabric. It's yeah. not just what I do now. It is me. Yeah. It really moments like this, the people we meet, I feel like just really expand our definitions of family and it's yep. good to see that you can find family all over the world. Absolutely. If people would just put their prejudices aside, and most people do have prejudices, if they could find a way to just say, let me see what the other side is like. Yeah. Uh, let me see what people who live in different places and have different cultures, if you go to visit 
other lands, you will become um, uh, awake to what this small blue globe that we live on really is like and how much we all are alike. So true. Have there been any other travel experiences? I mean, Rwanda, we could probably talk about that for the next week and still find more amazing stories about your time there. Have there been any other similar experiences that have been really eye-opening for you? Every place that Michael and I go, I learn. And we, we make it a point. Mm-hmm. We're not the kind of people that sit around a pool and just, you know, uh, drink bike highs all day. We <laughs> go out and we, and we learn and we go to museums and we talk to people. And we, we want to learn about, you know, the lands that we're visiting, mm-hmm. the history of them. Um, there is no place, though, that I've ever been that I have uh, felt, you know, as though I'm at home, other than like in Rwanda, because I spend so much time there. Yeah. But every, every place that we have been to, we have learned something. And, you know, I'll tell you a little story. Mm-hmm. When I was, I, I, I sort of... Um, pulled away from the IU program at some point because I wanted to, instead of just IU students and the students in Newark being the only recipients in this country, Mm -hmm. I wanted to expand the opportunity for other college students and other high school students to get uh, a chance to, you know, create their own books as well. Mm -hmm. So I went to several small towns in New Jersey and talked to them about getting their kids, you know, at different school systems um, involved in this program. And I really got a very, very positive reaction from most every town that I went to, mm-hmm. except for one, and I don't even need to mention the name, because the superintendent of that school said, we don't want our kids spending time learning about other places. We want them to learn about the United States. And I said, look, the fact of the matter is, by the time these kids get out of college, Mm. they are going to be communicating with people from other places, whether it's other places in the United States or other places around the world. Mm. And if you don't make them globally minded and able to communicate with other kinds of people, that unless they're a shopkeeper in the town that they grew up in, they're going to be lost because you need to learn how to communicate with others. And it didn't matter. He, he just felt that the, he took it upon himself to think that the parents in that community would not want their kids being involved in a global project. And I think he was very, very wrong, very short-sighted. Mm. But, um, you know had to respect and honor his request Mm -hmm. which is the same thing that i would ask of anybody who was you know um uh had a difference of opinion than i do it's Mm -hmm. just you know let's agree to to disagree that's Mm -hmm. all i feel like that word respect has sometimes gotten a little lost in this day and age and it's it shouldn't be so difficult 
especially um, to be able to, you know, find that emotion and find that place of, even if you can disagree, that doesn't make necessarily make you a bad person or someone who's less than. I mean, we're not clones of each other. Mm-hmm. We've all experienced different things. Therefore, we are all going to think differently. Mm-hmm. And you, if you want to really expand your own mm-hmm. mind, then talk to people who think differently. Yeah. And that may give you another perspective on the way that you're thinking. Mm-hmm. But it's about communication. And if you can't communicate and if you can't respect uh, the people that you are communicating with, then you're going to be in trouble because, Mm -hmm. you know, 10, 20 years down the road, uh, everybody's going to be speaking with each other across the globe. Yeah. I think that story is so interesting, especially when you look at America as a place where we need to be more globally minded because of the impact that our country has and our reputation has but also because I mean you hear it said all the time and it might sound cheesy but like we are a nation of immigrants oh yeah and that that is loss Mm. that's you know people don't realize that we there really aren't that many of us when you go back you know four generations or five generations that were born here Mm. so but you know, people tend to forget. Is this kind of passion stuff? I know they must be so young, but like things that you're excited to share with your grandchildren or even continue to share with your children? Yeah, oh, there's a saying, a shoemaker's kids go without shoes. My, my, my kids really, they know I'm doing stuff, but... <laughs> They're really not as interested in what I'm doing and what Michael's doing as they are interested in what their friends are doing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a phenomenon. I can't, there's no explanation for it. But, you know, after after a parent gets over the fact that their kids really aren't interested in what they're doing, (laughs) then you just, then you move on. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I guess in a way it's nice to know that like, you'll always be mom and dad. Yeah. That role still yeah. stays. I can't yeah. stop being interested in what my mom is doing. She's crazy. And I think she's brilliant. <laughs> always a new project. Well, that's great. I think that it's absorbed by the yeah. kids. My, my son, David is in Frankfurt right now at the Frankfurt um, book fair. Yeah, and I have started writing poetry, children's poetry, hmm. and I have a book that's being published right now by Macmillan. Wow! And congratulations. I've several... Pardon me. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. And I did not know that I had this ability, but it was found by happenstance. Hmm. I've written several other poems, and I. Um, am interested in letting other publishing companies uh, consider publishing them. Mm. So my son had asked me for a list of publishers that I might want to reach out to. And I gave him a list 
and he has already spoken to one of those publishers in Frankfurt and called me at several hours ago <laughs> to tell me that he's already spoken to one publisher. Now, that contradicts everything that I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that it's a, that what we do is absorbed, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it just comes out, you know. <laughs> it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> my kids definitely keep me on my toes. <laughs> and thank goodness, because heaven forbid we get ever a minute to ourselves to be bored. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> They don't, they're not bored and neither am I, but if our, you know, if we can cross paths every now and then with a common interest, that's lovely. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like there must be a, sometimes a lot of pressure to that. And please correct me if I'm overstepping or if I'm wrong, but as an empty nester, do you ever feel that pressure of having to find the time to be able to do things for yourself now? I, I rarely find at times to do things for myself. And when I do, like I binged watch something uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. can't even remember what it was. <laughs> While I was doing it, because Michael wasn't in town, it was Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and I said to myself that it's Sunday. You can take the day off. So I binged watch. What the heck was it? I'm absolutely <laughs> forgetting what. Oh, Fleabag. Oh, that's hilarious. uh, Oh, it was wonderful. Absolutely (laughs) wonderful. But while I was doing it, I was so tempted to put it on pause and start working again. Yeah. And I had to literally sit on my hands and not do it because I knew that there are times there when it's um, inappropriate to be selfless, which... Mm -hmm. You know, people may think that the work I'm doing is selfless. I don't get paid anything for it. Mm. But there's an appropriate time to be selfish. Mm. Selfish has a negative connotation to it. So when you say, I'm going to be a little selfish and I'm going to do this, it sounds bad. There should be another word to use in in place of selfish. Mm. But... um, uh, I think that there are times when one really does have to stop and put the oxygen mask on themselves first to get themselves healthy so that they can put the oxygen mask on their kid or whatever they're doing. And that is sort of the way I looked at what I was doing last Sunday, Mm -hmm. which was rare, but I did enjoy myself and I did feel guilty afterwards, but I did enjoy myself. That's good. I feel like, especially as a mom and just women in general, there's this extra pressure to always be helping someone, to always be of service. Mm -hmm. And to hear that no matter how difficult, it's still important to recognize mental health and self-care. It is. It is. And a very smart person told me that a long time ago, that there are inappropriate times to be selfless Mm. and appropriate times to be selfish and i have never forgotten that that's pretty brilliant yep yep well nancy this is wonderful i don't want to take up your whole afternoon even though i feel like i could talk to you for the next 12 hours and still be learning well what i'm going to do is i'm going to send you a 
three and a half minute sizzle reel that my videographer who came with us on the trip that we just took to Rwanda just pulled together and it was sent across some of the IU media outlets and it was also sent across on some vision um, uh, optometry um, sites as well because I am working with the optometry school on, on a program that this will explain the sizzle reel Mm -hmm. so uh, i am doing the um i'm doing the three things i'm i'm uh as i'm still involved in literacy not quite as what it was before Mm -hmm. i am very deeply involved in water and i am very deeply involved in um uh vision health yeah. So I'll send this to you at the number that we're speaking on, if that's okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Right. Right. Nancy, you are a joy. This was so <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. It was uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you also, Mary Jane. And, you know, um, I would, if I could just say one last thing, it would be yeah. to encourage women to get out of their comfort zones and be adventurous and Mm -hmm. curious if they're adventurous and curious it will take them down path pathways they never imagined that is words to live by oh thank you so much nancy this was absolutely fantastic my pleasure my pleasure take good care well thank you so much and you too and i hope you can find the time to binge another show when appropriate (laughs) hey look if you know something that's binge worthy let me know because i'm in search of now (laughs) will do all right (laughs) thanks thanks again mary jane you take take care of yourself thank you nancy have a good day you too bye 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 Wow, is she fantastic. I know there's like that whole thing about like, oh, don't over glorify like celebrities or whatever, but this might just be one of my favorite episodes we have ever done on her story. So the amazing, this is Nancy Uslin talking about family, talking about self-care and talking about the amazing initiatives and community outreach that she's been able to do through IU, through kids across the U.S., and now her amazing, amazing work in Rwanda. So, Nancy, just because she is absolutely amazing, immediately after this interview, shared the website if you guys want to learn more and get engaged with this. So, it's neuglobal.com. This has information and ways to get involved with their clean water initiatives giving eye care and support to kids and hopefully expanding that to adults in Rwanda, as well as the Books and Beyond initiative, which is amazing. And as you know now, has been able to connect kids from New Jersey, college students, kids all over. It's just really, (laughs) I'm not very concise in my thoughts right now because I am just still in awe. So Nancy's work in Rwanda, her latest trip was just in August, so 
poor thing, when I reached out to her, she was still recovering from the time change for this interview. So I'm so grateful that she was able to sit down and do it with us. But Nancy messaged me saying that it is my hope that Indiana University School of Optometry will partner with the University of Rwanda Medical School and that IU will help them develop an optometry program. Eye care is so important because eye care, as we know, is the first step towards better education for so many people. And of course, that all depends on health, resources, and clean water. So please, 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 if you are even slightly curious, please go to neuglobal.com to get more involved and learn more about the amazing, amazing work Nancy and her amazing community of volunteers and supporters have been able to do. I hope this episode inspired you as much as it inspired me because you can see that no matter who we are, where we come from, what our intentions may be, there is an incredible fulfillment to helping others and sharing the stories of those who very rarely get the chance to speak for themselves. It was an absolute honor to work with Nancy on this and I wish her all the best in her upcoming projects and hopefully another great Fleabag-esque show to binge. So I will definitely be going to neuglobal.com and I hope you guys will too. Well, this is about it for this episode. As always, I am your beloved host, Mary Jane, and I can't wait to join you next week for another woman who made her story. Thank you.